here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The speaker is asked to come on the program, and I want to know where we stand on this spending stuff. And uh, we also invited Chip Roy, and he will be on here Monday. Uh, but I want to know what Biden's up to, we're up to, and the whole thing. So rather than speculate, we'll see where things are. Now, there's more breaking news on the FBI, the Federal Bureau of the Stasi. And this is from Fox. I want you to listen to this because this is on top of everything else. The FBI improperly used warrantless search powers against U.S. citizens more than 278,000 times. In the year ending November 2021, according to an unsealed Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court filing. Uh, We need to deal with this, this uh, secret court stuff now. U.S. citizens covered in that improper effort included people involved in the Capitol riot on January 6th, George Floyd protesters during the summer of 2020, and donors to a failed congressional candidate, the filing said. Section 702, that's the issue, of FISA allows the government to conduct targeted surveillance of non-U.S. persons located abroad to acquire foreign intelligence information. When U.S. citizens are flagged as part of these investigations, the FBI takes over the process of querying them for possible security reasons. The court filing, which spanned 127 pages, was unsealed a few hours ago by the FISA court, but was filed in April 2022. April 2022, over a year ago. The FBI's faced scrutiny for the misuse of Section 702, and FBI Director Christopher Wray has said the Bureau has taken steps to reform the system. That, that zombie needs to be removed. 
Fox News Digital first reported last month that the Office of the Director of National Intel said there was a significant decline in the total number of queries the FBI made in the U.S. citizens between 2021 and 2022 under this Section 702 due to the changes the Bureau made to its systems, processes, and training relating to U.S. persons queried. In the year ending November 2022, about half a year ago, the FBI conducted a total of about 204,000 queries, a 94% drop from the previous year's reporting period, when it conducted 3.4 million. And you'll remember, one million of those were erroneous. Remember? The filing released today detailed a number of the improper queries, including a batch query for about or more than 19,000 donors to a congressional campaign. Quote, the analyst who ran the query advised that the campaign was a target of foreign influence. But National Security Division determined that only eight identifiers used in the query had sufficient ties to foreign influence activities to comply with the querying standard. I guess that's a few less than 19,000. It's unclear to which congressional campaign the filing is referring. Fox News has learned the candidate was not a member of Congress and didn't win the seat. The filing also said another batch of queries was made in June 2020 using identifiers of 133 individuals arrested in connection with the civil unrest and protest between approximately May 30 and June 18, 2020. The civil unrest was due to the death of George Floyd in police custody in May 2020. And it goes on. It's just... Between December 2021 and November 2022, the FBI's queries conducted based on evidence of a crime increased slightly. Section 702 is set to sunset on December 31, and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are proposing reforms in order to reauthorize this section. I am proposing accountability. I am proposing that if the criminal law does not exist that puts these people in prison, then one must be one must be written and one must be adopted. These are civil liberties. This cannot continue. The FBI is completely out of control, America. And Christopher Ray, he needs to be replaced. The fourth FBI director is a complete dud in his case because they're now involved in interfering in the fourth election, the 2024 election. It's unbelievable. As I said, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, will be here at the bottom of the hour. I've been hearing different things, including that discussions between the two sides are on hold. I just want to know what's going on, and I think you want to know what's going on, so you don't have to wonder all weekend. And there is a new thing afoot, a new weird thing afoot, by some sort of young pseudo-intellectuals. Not sure if they're conservatives or what they are. That is to trash Reagan and to trash Reagan's policies 
and to trash Reagan's successes. I knew this happened on the left. I really did. Although the more I've looked into this, it doesn't happen as much on the left as I thought. They embrace Lyndon Johnson. They embrace Franklin Roosevelt. They go back. They embrace Marx. But there's a relative handful of individuals who think that they have created, that they have created a brand new philosophy. They haven't created anything. I've been looking at their brand new philosophy. And you know what I found, Mr. Producer? 90% of it's in Liberty and Tyranny. The book that I wrote. Which means it's not new, not because I wrote it, but because others already thought it. And so I have to actually come behind this microphone and defend Ronald Reagan? That's how pathetic the conservative movement has become? Maybe it's because these people, many of them weren't alive during the Reagan presidency. Or maybe they don't comprehend it properly. Or maybe, like young Marxists, they just think the world begins with them. We're going to have these discussions and debates, I've decided, not just next week, but we'll have them with other individuals who I'm going to call out by name, and we should have those debates as well. People from the Blaze, people from other organizations. We need to have this discussion. Reagan destroyed the Soviet Union. He destroyed the Soviet Union with his policies. Now, as a foreign policy accomplishment, that seems pretty big because we had a Cold War with the Soviet Union. Really, before the end of the the Second World War. Some of these folks thinks we ought to, think we ought to get rid of NATO. Get rid of NATO. For 78 years, we've had relative peace in Europe, which is where two massive world wars begun as a result of NATO. So these tiny little countries that can barely arm a police force, they, uh, they work with bigger countries that can, in order to protect them. Particularly in the face of what communist China is doing now. Communist China would kill for a NATO. A communist Chinese type NATO. And so that needs to be discussed and debated. Now look what Reagan did with the judicial system. An entire farm team of intellectuals and scholars using lawyers and professors was built during the Reagan-Mies era. That's how Justice Scalia became Justice Scalia. That's how Justice Thomas became Justice Thomas. That's how Rehnquist became Chief Justice Rehnquist. And I could go on and on throughout the federal judiciary, making a massive difference. And they can learn from how Reagan... Won elections. They're still studied to this day. Reagan was the first to remember the forgotten working class man. 
They turned out in numbers never seen before for a Republican president, ever. They turned out in blue states. They turned out in blue-collar neighborhoods. In 1980, Reagan won 800, excuse me, 400 and 88 electoral college votes. A massive landslide. Even got over 50% of the vote, despite the fact there was a third-party candidate. And he was running against an, independent, a, a, an incumbent. He even got more in 1984. He almost got 60% of the vote. He got 425 electoral college votes. Almost 98% of all electoral college votes. He got 425 out of 538. Is that passe? Has somebody done better? Is somebody going to do better? No. No, they're not. So I've looked over this NatCon agenda. And there are a few big gaps that I have issues with. But for the most part, I cracked open my old copy of Liberty and Tyranny, which explains why some of these guys now who try to build their cred attacking me used to try and contact me. Hey, uh, can we have coffee with you? Or got jobs from me? Or got blurbs on their books from me? It's nothing new. But there are some serious incongruities that I do want to discuss and debate, and we'll wait till next week. Because I want to give them, it, him, a fair shot. But I definitely want to look at it. Let me say now that in terms of economics, I have a friend of mine who's the head of a group, I think it's still a group, on reducing the size of government. And he emails me a lot, and I like him a lot. I've known him a long time, and I like his emails for the most part. But he's into this too, and sends me an article today, and I went through it, a very long essay in American Greatness. But I, I worked my way through it. Took little notes in the, in the margins. As best I can tell, the guy was trashing big government, big business, profits, profiteers, um, lobbyists. And it goes on and on and on. And I thought to myself, well, this is very interesting to me. So who is it that exactly is going to have checks and balances on somebody else? You know, you can see how corrupt the Department of Justice is right now, right? And then you have people who say, the antitrust laws must be vigorously, hyper-vigorously enforced. Well, who's going to enforce them? Oh, the corrupt Department of Justice. What's a greater threat to you, America? An out-of-control central government with an FBI like we see? A government that's able to make laws by regulation and fiat? A government that has literal power over your private property, over your free speech, over your money, or ExxonMobil? I'm just curious. 
And so we'll dig into this a little bit as time goes on. I think it's a worthy cause. It's a worthy effort. But forget about Reagan. Don't you see? We can't learn anything from him. He must be of the old generation. The old generation that defeated the Soviet Union. That built up the U.S. economy like it had never been built up in American history. And did another thousand things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right. Physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. Now, Reagan wasn't perfect, but most of the quizlings who write about him, they are mostly imperfect. We had Jerry Falwell, we had the moral majority, we had the new right. We understood what was going on with the culture, and we understand today, the great leaders today are not 25 and 30 years old. They're not 32 years old. Nobody's replaced Bill Buckley or Milton Freeman or Thomas Sowell or Walter Williams. Nobody. And part of the problem is today is a lack of a bench. A lack of a bench. Because when people read, they read their own columns. They don't read history. They don't read economics. And they don't learn from it. I'll be right back with the speaker. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's a pleasure to have uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy with us, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, 
you're trying to deal with the Biden administration in this budget. I, I think I just saw a report that said uh, things are off the rails right now. What do you know? You know everything. <laughs> well, thank you for having me back on. Uh, I wanted to come on because you have the smartest listeners in the country, and this is why. They will know that on February 1st, I went to sit down with the president. I said, you know what? Let's put this country back on the right track. Let's get our fiscal house in order, and let's do it when you want to be able to increase the debt ceiling. He said, yeah, let, let, let's, let's work. Let's negotiate. Then he ignored me for 97 straight days. So Republicans went and passed our own bill, Limit, Save, Grow. We raised the debt limit, but we also did smart things. You know what we did? We clawed back the billions of dollars of unspent COVID money. We blocked President Biden's student loan giveaway. We made us energy independent, took that energy bill we passed, put it in. We reined in the president's runaway bureaucratic um, spending. We repealed those 87,000 IRS agents, and we passed that. Then the president had to negotiate with us, but he has bumbled his way through. So today it got off the rails. You want to know why? Because mm-hmm. I am not going to spend more money next year than we spent this year. We've got to get our house in order. We, for 21 straight years, we have spent more than we brought in. But on a 50-year average, we normally spend 21% of GDP. In 22, we spend over 24% of GDP. Mm-hmm. And we're bringing in more money than we've ever brought in in the last 50 years. It's a spending problem, and somebody's got to finally rein it in and say we've got to stop this. Meanwhile, the president of the United States isn't even in the country. He's overseas. They keep they keep talking about how serious this is, and yet it's apparently not serious enough for him to be here. You know, if it were me, hour by hour, I'd want to know where my team is, where are we, what can we work on. That This guy is so aloof, is he not? I'll tell you, for 97 days, he said, I'm not going to meet with you, and it has to, you just have to raise the debt ceiling. And what people have to understand, what is a debt ceiling? Okay, it is giving your child a credit card, and they spent it all, and they hit the limit. But year after year after year, all you did was raise the limit until you owe so much on your credit card, you owe more than you make in a year. Because what we owe in debt is larger than our entire economy by another 20%. So shouldn't you, before you raise that limit again, actually look at where you're spending money and eliminate waste? Look, the pandemic is over. We have more than $30 billion sitting out there that was appropriated two years ago that was just for the pandemic and hasn't been spent. Why don't you bring that money back? Why don't you put in work requirements, like when Biden was senator, he voted for it and Clinton signed in it, we found it put it got people jobs. It took them out of poverty to jobs. And you're only talking about able-bodied people with no dependents. I mean, and, it's and sensible is, things. It's reasonable. This is something Obama repealed. I mean, I know there was this. This was applied during the Reagan era. It was applied during the Gingrich era. And all of a sudden, I mean, on the one hand, we listened yesterday. To Wasserman Schultz to say we need illegal, we need immigration, more immigration. You know, millions and millions is not enough because the food is rotting right here in Florida. And then on the other <laughs> side, Porter, she's over there saying we shouldn't force America, and we're talking about, as you say, able-bodied males even to work. It's just not yeah. just. Well, which is it? You're subsidizing Americans not to work, but the border's open because you claim nobody will work. 
And you know what we want to do? I want to take that money for those 87,000 IRS agents. I want to take that money back and get border patrol agents. You know, mm-hmm. let's be able to secure our border. It's, it's just like the budget. The president knew Title 42 was going to be lifted. He knew you were going to hit a debt limit. He ignored both of them, thinking they'd go away. But Republicans in the House passed a bill to protect our border and also raised our debt ceiling, but put a fiscal constraint. And think about this. What the president wants to do when he argues against work requirements, he is literally saying, let's borrow more money from China that our grandchildren will have to pay back with interest to pay somebody not to work who is able-bodied male with no dependents. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do that? Let's help them find a job, make give their life worth, and a sense of pride. They want to do it because most of them are Democrats. My humble opinion, that's why. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you yeah. know, the speaker fight was pretty brutal. We talked about it here at some length. Many of these things that you're pushing, these promises that you've made, your, your ratings have gone really quite high. Uh, Republicans in particular are very pleased with what you're doing. And they want you to stay the course. They want you to hold the line, and I get it. Um, are these positions that you mostly had or positions that people whispered into your ear and said, you can have my vote if you agree to do what I tell you to do? No, th- these are positions I've had from the very beginning. You know, I, I, I know we went through that battle, but that was internally how are we going to govern with just five of us. And if you watched, those votes kind of never changed to the very end. And the one mm. thing I had always promised people, give me an opportunity to govern and you'll see. Watch what I did when we were leader. We've been able to win both times. Why? Because we put the Constitution and the American public first. It, it, it's a new thinking here. And we keep our word. We put a commitment to America. So you know what? First bill, we did repeal 87,000 IRS agents. We did keep our word, make a parent's bill of rights. We did keep our word by putting a a border patrol, a border security bill on the floor and pass. We did keep our word by making us energy independent. We do it time and again and again. And I think it's not my ratings. What's really happening is they're watching the Republicans in Congress lead because they're listening to the American public. They're focusing on the issues that matter most. The whole reason we have inflation, the whole reason that we had three of the largest four bank failures in the last couple of months, because the Democrats spent $6 trillion and brought us inflation, made us more dependent upon China. And you know what? Even before we read about what was happening in the FBI, we put together a weaponization committee that would look at, you haven't seen something like this since the 70s, because we believed when we were listening to these whistleblowers about what the FBI was doing, going into Catholic churches to follow people, going to school board uh, parents to look at them because they think they're terrorists. All of that has got to end. And that's what this administration has got to understand. Elections does have consequences. The American people made a difference of opinion inside this house, and we're going to stand up for them, for all those that hadn't been listened to for all those years. It looks like our buddy Mike Lee over on the Senate side, in particular, spearheaded an effort to round up some Republicans in support of what you folks passed in the House of Representatives. I think it was 43 Republicans. Is that about right? That is right. He got 43 on a letter 
but he got another two that didn't sign the letter that said they would go with him, that they would not vote for just raising the debt ceiling. And I will tell you, I cannot say enough positive about all the Senate Republicans. They have been standing with us. They have helped us get stronger. The president would never be negotiating with us. It took him 105 days so he finally appointed two people that would sit down and negotiate directly with us. But we're not going to get everything what we want, but we are going to change the course of history. The president first said he wouldn't negotiate. You just had to raise the debt ceiling, and we would break. You know what? That all changed. And at the end of the day, we're going to fight for every inch we can get. If there's part we come up short, we're going to go get it the next day, just like Ronald Reagan told us to do. Uh-oh, you cited Ronald Reagan. He's so passe, you know, apparently. So I hear. <laughs> <laughs> the most successful president in modern history. Um, well, I, I want to thank you, Mr. Americans Speaker. Travel yeah. To, yeah. Uh, any ahead. American that believes that should travel anywhere in the world. And they will cite Ronald Reagan, not as the greatest president, but one of the greatest leaders in, a, in the world history, because he believed in freedom, he understand what, understood what it meant for, and he would fight for it anywhere in the country, and he understood what the Constitution and personal freedoms meant as well. Yeah, he made uh, really fundamental changes in the country. I say he's the third greatest president in American history, you know, behind Washington and Lincoln, and that's saying a lot. Is there anything else you want to pass you know on to the audience? What? Go ahead. Those are those are the three portraits I have in my office. Oh, really? Lincoln, Ray, Reagan's behind my desk. Lincoln's on the other side, and Washington's over on the other down the hall. Well, then I have to send you one of my portraits. For my God, you should be hanging yeah. in. I'm just kidding. Hey, just I, kidding. I've just got a kidding. Picture, I've got a I've got a picture of you and I. <laughs> are you winning an award, and I got to be there. Go ahead. Well, that you know what. That was very, very kind of you to come to Florida, the ZOA in Florida here. Well, you know what? It was a complete surprise. That was very kind of you to introduce me. It really was. All right. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy. Have All a right. great weekend, and good luck with this guy. Thank you, my friend. Take care. All right. Take care. I don't know why uh, certain elements keep doubting me. During that speaker fight, and I didn't mean to put him on the spot, I had conversations with him. I had conversations with Chip Roy. I have texts with Chip Roy. I have texts with him. I had conversations with Jim Jordan. Texts with Jim Jordan and others. And I told you, without mentioning their names, what I was hearing. I have them. And I, in my own little role was also trying to get it done. That is, to get the speakership issue done so we could take on the Democrats and save the country. And McCarthy didn't change. When I spoke to him, he said, this is what we're going to do. And then I was hearing these spinsters go out there, and some of the talk radio, too, going on about, well, he's being forced to do this. (laughs) And I knew he told me he was going to do X, Y, Z. So I knew it wasn't true. I'm just pointing that out. Not to kick up dust, but to make sure the record's clear. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. 
Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. And we'll have a big announcement in a few weeks. As we do now have a publication date and a release date. I know the title. And I will name the individuals who I will personally ban from reading the book. Just a handful, Mr. Producer, don't you think? Just a handful. They can read their own columns in their own books. Also had a good talk with uh, Ron DeSantis today. Look, I'm friends with a lot of these guys. I'm not friends with the rhinos. And I never will be. And I never have been. Never. And I'm not going to be now. Um... And one of the things we can learn from Reagan, and not those who are ignoramuses, but others, is how to run and win elections. Ronald Reagan won two massive electoral landslides, popular vote landslides, electoral college landslides, the likes of which we've never seen again or haven't seen again. He grew the economy by 25%. He had to take double-digit inflation, which went through the roof during the Carter presidency and into his early presidency and wrestled it to the ground, which was very painful for the American people. But after two years, that's exactly what they did. The most massive tax cuts in American history, across the board. What are tax cuts? They're liberty. They're your private property. And he changed a tremendous amount of the culture. He directed the Department of Justice that only individuals who would uphold the Constitution were to be sent to him for nomination to the courts. Now look, we all know judges change. You can't predict. You hope you can, you can make a reasonable appointment. Sometimes they flip, that's for sure. But sometimes you also do a great job. The Federalist Society was founded during the Reagan era. The whole debate over originalism started during the Reagan era. And then we have people who want to abandon it. Oh, well, that's then. This is now. Everything's changed. I guess we should burn the Bible, too, right, Mr. Producer? And people like me, I guess we should take our scrolls, the, the Torah, and burn that, too. Everything's changed, after all. Nothing's the same. And if that is your mindset, you completely reject the founding of America, the Declaration of Independence, and all the principles that undergird it. 
It's like it's like the Marxist mindset, which is the world begins today. Everything that went before really doesn't matter. Here we are. The problem isn't our principles, America. A problem is the people who we put in office who reject our principles. The problem isn't our principles. The problem is the evisceration of our culture. It's not the principles. It's a growing segment of our population that rejects those principles. We don't need to reinvent liberty, to reinvent commerce, to reinvent diplomacy and national security. We don't need to reinvent any of it. We need the right people to be in the right place. We'll take on the enemy of our culture. We'll take on the enemy of this government who has some sense of the time that we live in today. McConnell and his ilk do not. They simply don't. Reagan understood this. Trump understands it viscerally. He's not a movement conservative, but he's a man who loves the country. Ron DeSantis understands this. He is a movement conservative. All right, I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You want to have some more fun? Let's have some more fun. Many of you are in your cars or trucks, buses, the dinner table, millions and millions of you across the country. Very exciting. Michael Gerson, the late Michael Gerson, I'm looking at Liberty and Tyranny, which so many of you have read. He was the formerly the chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush, and he wrote a book called Heroic Conservatism. And he said, if Republicans run in future elections with a simplistic anti-government message, Ignoring the poor, the addicted, and children at risk, they will lose, and they will deserve to lose. So Gerson argued for a compassionate conservatism and faith-based initiatives in which the federal government plays a central role. This was Bush's guy at the time. And then William Crystal and David Brooks, they used to both work for The Standard, a magazine that has since destroyed itself. And they promoted something called, and they did it repeatedly, national greatness conservatism. 
which also involved a significant role for the central government. It seems to me if you're going to come up with a new idea, which isn't really a new idea for a philosophy, you shouldn't call it national conservatism. You got the rhinos using the phraseology, and then you have others, like national socialists fill in the blank. The great thing about America is that it wasn't founded by a national government. It wasn't founded by a national anything. There were these disparate colonies that came together. They formed a federal government with very, very limited powers. And of course, they spelled it out in the Constitution. All these departments that exist today, all these departments that exist today, some of the functions existed, but for instance, the Department of Justice did not exist. It was created by Ulysses S. Grant. But an attorney general, a leading attorney general, goes back some time. Same with the Secretary of State. Secretary of the Treasury. Yes, there was one. And there was a Secretary of State. And um, they did what they could to separate powers, balance powers, and all the rest of it. But there is this apparently irresistible urge, even among pseudo-conservatives for much, much more centralized power to do something that they want done. Maybe it's to go after the private sector or whatever it is. That is outside outside the boundaries placed in the Constitution. So in many ways there are no more constitutionalists as the Marxist left. They just have some different ideas. So it seems to me if they have different ideas they have to defend them. Because why should we support them otherwise? Now in liberty and tyranny, we're going to have fun. This is fun, isn't it? I say on faith in the founding, reason cannot by itself explain why there is reason. Science cannot by itself explain why there is science. Man's discovery and application of science are products of reason. Reason and science can explain the existence of matter, but they cannot explain why there is matter. They can explain the existence of the universe, but they cannot explain why there is a universe. They can explain the existence of nature and the laws of physics, but they cannot explain why there is nature and the law of physics. They can explain the existence of life, but they cannot explain why there is life. They can explain the existence of consciousness, but they cannot explain why there is consciousness. Science is a critical aspect of human existence, but it cannot address the spiritual nature of man. In this respect, science is a dead end around which the atheist refuses to reason. Reason itself informs man of its own limitations and in doing so directs him to the discovery of a force greater than himself. A supernatural force responsible for the origins of not only human existence, but all existence which itself has always existed and will always exist. For most, the supernatural reveals itself in the creator, God. 
Man seeks God's guidance through faith and prayer. The agnostic accepts the supernatural, but is not so sure of the form of its existence. The deist accepts that God created the universe in a man's condition, but left it to man to sort things out through reason. Man is more than a physical creature. As Edmund Burke argued, each individual is created as a unique spiritual being with a soul and a conscience. It is bound to a transcendent moral order established by divine providence, uncovered through observation and experience over the ages. Quote, here's what he wrote. There is but one law for all, namely the law which governs all law, the law of our creator, the law of humanity, justice, equity, the law of nature and of nations. And I add, this is the natural law that penetrates man's being and which the founding fathers adopted as the principle around which civilized American society would be organized. The founders were enlightened men, but not men purely of the age of enlightenment. They were highly educated, well-informed men who excelled at reason and subscribed to science, but worshipped neither. They comprehended them, the, their strengths as well as weaknesses. The Declaration of Independence signers were Congregationalist, Presbyterian, Anglican, Unitarian, Roman Catholic. At least two founders, Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, are widely believed to have been deists. But they were men of varying degrees of denominations, but not, but, excuse me, but united and emphatic in the belief that the Creator was the origin of their existence and the source of their reason. Is it possible that there is no natural law and man can know moral order and unalienable rights from his own reasoning, unaided by the supernatural or God? Now, there are, of course, those who argue this case, including the atheist and others who attempt to distinguish natural law from divine providence. It is not the view adopted by the founders. This position would, it seems, lead man to arbitrarily create his own morality and rights, or create his own arbitrary morality and rights, right and wrong, just and unjust, good and bad, would be relative concepts susceptible to circumstantial applications. Moreover, by what justification would life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness be unalienable rights if there is no natural law, since reason alone cannot make them invaluable? What then is natural law if its origin is unknown or rejected? It is nothing more than a human construct under those circumstances. An individual may benefit from the moral order and unalienable rights around which society functions while rejecting their divine origin. That's My point is that a lot of people who are disbelievers, that's fine. But that's not what the nation is. They can function within this society, but the society wouldn't exist but for this moral order given by God. The civil society cannot itself at the, uh, excuse me, the civil society cannot organize itself that way. It would become unstable, vulnerable to anarchy and tyranny, imperiling all within it, especially the individual. The abandonment of natural law is the adoption of tyranny in one form or another, because there is no humane or benevolent alternative to natural law. That's just the chapter on faith in the founding. What about free? 
What about free markets? Do we like free markets? If not, what do we like? The Marxist doesn't like free markets. The fascist doesn't like free markets. The economic socialist doesn't like free markets. Do you? For the most part? That's coming under vicious attack, I think, by the NATCONs and maybe others. I could be wrong. We'll learn more next week. The free market is the most transformative of economic systems, fosters creativity and inventiveness, produces new industries, products, and services as it improves upon existing ones. With millions of individuals freely engaged in an infinite number and variety of transactions every day, it's impossible to even conceive all the changes and plans for changes occurring in our economy at any given time. The free market creates more wealth and opportunities for more people than any other economic model. But the conservative believes that the individual is more than a producer and consumer of material goods. He exists within the larger context of the civil society, which provides for an ordered liberty. The conservative sees in the free market the harmony of interests and rules of cooperation that also underlie the civil society. For example, the free market promotes self-worth, self-sufficiency, shared values, and honest dealings, which enhance the individual, the family, and the community. It discriminates against no race, religion, or gender. The truck driver does not know the skin color of the individuals who produce the diesel fuel for his vehicle. The cook does not know the religion of the dairy farmer who applies milk, supplies milk to his restaurant. And the airline passenger does not know the gender of the factory workers who manufacture the commercial aircraft that transports them, nor do they care. But you see, folks, under other systems, they do care. They mandate. They ban, and so forth and so on. When we look when the government gets involved, you see colossal disasters for the most part. The Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 completely destroyed the home financing and housing market. Killed it. Destroyed many families. Forced many families to lose their homes. Destroyed... Freddie Mae and Fannie Mac and everything that they invested in in terms of loans and, of course, savings and loans they went under. In addition to your own problems that cost the country hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. So nobody's saying there shouldn't be, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, regulations. Even Adam Smith said there should be taxes, there should be regulations. But taxes and regulations that are intended for the actual purposes of government and the civil society, not to redistribute wealth, not to subsidize industries, not to create monopolies and oligopolies. And one of the great things about America, said de Tocqueville, was the decentralization of government meant that these thousands and thousands of the villages and towns and counties and cities would make decisions for themselves. And mobility enabled people to move from one to the other, should they wish to. I don't have all day, so let me keep going. Immigration. 
The statist's argument, I argue, for comprehensive immigration reform reduces to this. America is a nation of immigrants. The founding and settling of the nation came about because of immigrants who braved dangers to come to this country and risked everything to build the prosperity we enjoy today. Now, certainly this is true as far as it goes. Of course, to say this is a nation of immigrants is to say every nation is a nation of immigrants. Mexico, the source of most immigrants to the United States today, is a nation of Spanish and other immigrants. The implication is, however, that both legal and illegal immigration, no matter how extensive, is another moral imperative justifying the transformation of the civil society. This is not so. Once again, the Declaration of Independence provides guidance on this issue. It states in relevant part that to secure these unalienable rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish the government and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Have the governed, that is we, the American people, consented to the current state of legal and illegal immigration in the nation? Do current immigration policies and enforcement practices affect the safety and happiness of the people? Of course. No society can withstand the unconditional mass migration of aliens from every corner of the earth. The preservation of the nation's territorial sovereignty and the culture, language, mores, traditions, and customs that make possible a harmonious community of citizens dictate that citizenship be granted only by the consent of the governed, not by the unilateral actions or demands of the alien, and then only to aliens who will throw off their allegiance to their former nation and society and pledge their allegiance to America. The historical basis for making immigration decisions has been radically altered. The emphasis is no longer on the preservation of American society, and the consent of the governed. Now aliens themselves decide who comes to the United States through, among, among other means, family re- reunification. There's more, and I want to get to more, from Liberty and Tyranny. I have to dust off the book. While well, some of the new generation, ladies and gentlemen, they pronounce themselves as new probably have never read the book if they did they haven't retained it um they probably don't know much about what came before don't merely give a damn it's a lot of very very old people who came before abraham isaac jacob moses jesus so many others but the newbies know everything i'll be right back mark lovin Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan 
With Mobile Hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. I only have a minute. And there's only a little more that I want to get to. I can't read the whole book to you. One of the things I regret is really the lack of a strong farm team right now. I don't know if it's due to universities and colleges. I just don't know. Um, But there are some outstanding young men and women. There's no question about it, but there's not enough. There's wannabes, there's people who try to position themselves. And they seem to think, it's the same with talk radio, that trashing another guy is going to get them where they want to go. It's not going to happen. And I will put this marker down, and you'll have to read between the lines. As a father and a husband, I will not tolerate anyone who tries to destroy the reputation, the character, and the integrity of any member of my family. Not now, not ever. That's exactly what Josh Hawley was writing about. I'll be right back. Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and, of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with Mobile Hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. Mark Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. I have never preached that America shouldn't get involved in every war, in every battle, in every corner of the earth. That would be stupid. Forever wars, they call them, I suppose. It's hard to know how long a war is going to last before they end. The Revolutionary War was a forever war, I suppose. But that doesn't mean you don't believe in national security and intervention when the time is right. And what word best defines what our national security and our defense and military posture should be? What one word? If you read Liberty and Tyranny, Chapter 10, you know. What is it? 
prudence. It's not an ideological thing when it comes to the security of the United States. Prudence. And so chapter 10 is entitled Self-Preservation. Not defense, not national security. In liberty and tyranny, it's entitled self-preservation. That's the goal. The conservative believes that the moral imperative of all public policy must be the preservation and improvement of American society. So I love it when I'm lectured about this. Because I wrote about it almost 20 years, whenever it was. Similarly, the object of American foreign policy must be no different. The founders recognized that America had to be strong politically, economic, culturally, and yes, militarily, to survive and thrive in a complex, ever-changing global environment, not only in their time, but for all time. History bears this out. After the Revolutionary War, the founders realized that the Confederation was inadequate to conduct foreign affairs, since each state was free to act on its own. There could be no coherent national security policy because there was no standing army, and each state ultimately was responsible for its own defense. The nation's economy was vulnerable to pirates who were terrorizing transatlantic shipping routes, and by the way, taking the men who worked on those ships into slavery and bringing them into the central part of Africa. And of course, the British and Spanish empires were looming threats. The authority of the national government to raise and maintain a standing army and use military power within the framework of a Republican system was among the first matters addressed by the framers when they presented the Finnish Constitution to the states for ratification. And after reviewing a litany of European interests and conflicts in North America, John Jay in Federalist IV wrote, he would become the first Chief Justice. Listen carefully. The people of America are aware that inducements to war may arise out of these circumstances, as well as from others, not so obvious at present. And that whenever such inducements may find fit time and opportunity for operation, pretenses to color and justify them will not be wanting. In other words, there will be times we have to go to war. And we don't always know when or how these situations are going to present themselves. So he goes on in Federalist 4. Wisely, therefore, do they consider union and a good national government as necessary to put and keep them in such a situation as instead of inviting war, will tend to repress and discourage it. Build up your forces strong enough so you don't provoke the enemy. The situation consists in the best possible state of defense and necessarily depends on the government and the arms and the resources of the country. Indeed, one of the stated purposes of the Constitution is, quote, to protect for the common defense. Well, where does that get us? Few knew better than Washington that America must establish alliances that have as their purpose the protection and well-being of the nation. Without the crucial material aid and military support of France and other nations, the decisive Battle of Yorktown, perhaps the Revolutionary War itself, might have been lost. Washington was neither an isolationist nor an interventionist. Yes, he was skeptical of alliances. 
But when America's best interests, he made them. Washington preferred diplomacy to war. But he knew war was sometimes unavoidable. And by word and deed, as general, president, and statesman, Washington spent his public life pursuing the preservation and improvement of the American society. Washington's example is what? Flexibility in the means to achieve the immutable and the immutable end, which is the national security of the United States. And again, the word is not conservative or liberal in this context. It's not natcon. Or what is this other one he sees? Boomercon. What the hell that is. But nonetheless, it's prudence. Prudence is the word. Certainly America cannot export democracy everywhere simultaneously, nor, nor should it attempt to. For one thing, it is impractical. There are cultures and regimes that are not receptive to such overtures. Also, the loss of American lives and the enormous financial costs in chasing such unrealistic ends would threaten the preservation and improvement of American society. It would demoralize the population and desensitize it to real threats that endanger the society. However, there are occasions when democracy building is prudent. For example, the European Recovery Program, better known as the Marshall Plan of 1948, had among its purposes the promotion and preservation of democracy through the provision of of billions of dollars in economic and military aid to several European nations defeated in World War II. See, we learned the lesson after World War I, which was, okay, we destroyed these countries, now let's walk away. And then we got World War II. We got Hitler in particular. Among other things, it would and did help repel the spread of Soviet communism through what remained of free Europe, which was clearly in America's interests. And more recently, you can talk about other areas of the world as well. Now, the conservative believes that unalienable rights attach to all human beings, but it is not necessarily the responsibility of the United States to enforce those rights. How can it be? However, he also believes that there are times when evil perpetrated by a regime is so horrific that to ignore it tears at the moral core of American civil society. You can see this with the Holocaust and things of that sort. Though there can be no single doctrine that defines the elements of action or inaction in every case, once again, prudence must dictate if and when the cost of American lives and treasure is worth intervention on these grounds. The conservative does not seek rigid adherence to any specific course of action. Neutrality or alliance, preemptive war or defensive posture, nation building or limited military strikes. The benchmark, again, is whether any specific path will serve the nation's best interests. It's difficult to imagine a theory under which a society could otherwise survive. And so even though agreements on Russia versus Ukraine and so forth, the disagreement, I don't think, is in the application of prudence in trying to determine what is or is not in America's best interest. I think the difference is in the outcome. As I said before, Clarence Thomas and Antonin Scalia 
originalists looking at the Constitution, applying the same level of textual adherence and historical adherence and coming up with a different result. And at that point, you're left with persuasion. Persuasion. But what I'm finding, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Among these, well, backbenchers, I guess, if you don't agree with them, they want to go to war with you. In other words, I can't believe he came up with that conclusion. I used to think he was so good. That is the difference between the new generation and the older generation. They're so, they're so passe. They're so Reagan. And of course, these are the mumblings of uh, low IQ individuals. Now, for the statist, that is the Marxist, foreign policy is another opportunity to enhance his own authority at the expense of the civil society. So we understand that. Several elements I wrote back then of Barack Obama's global vision needed to be addressed when he says the security of the American people is inextricably linked to the security of all people. What is meant by security of all people of the world? How in every case is America's security related to their security? It's clearly not. And if a regime refuses to secure for its people that which America believes it should, what then? Moreover, are there not times when the security of other people conflicts with the security of America? Obama said, and Americans must lead by reaching out to all those living disconnected lives of despair in the world's forgotten corners. What does it mean to live a disconnected life of despair? If included among the disconnected, for example, are the millions of starving people living under the iron fist of North Korea and their communist regime, what do we do about that? Americans are supposed to reach out to them? But disconnected lives of despair appears to mean much more than denial of liberty to people in forgotten corners of the world. To Obama, it's a messianic attitude that has no basis in reality. So you see, from my perspective, this is why I challenged John McCain and our friend, often Marco Rubio and others, but more McCain and more Lindsey Graham. You see, the choice isn't between... Either you agree with us or you must be a neocon. No. That's stupidity. Obama. But if the next president can restore the American people's trust, if they know that he or she is acting with their best interests at heart, uh, with prudence and wisdom and some measure of humility, then I believe the American people will be ready to see America lead again. And so I ask, how would this restore the American people's trust? And in whom and in what? How is committing them to a staggeringly unrealistic global task, acting in their best interests? Where is the prudence and wisdom in such a reckless overstatement of human possibilities, which completely ignores history and man's experience? No. And so it goes on. And, of course, in the same chapter, I warn strongly against surrendering to international governing organizations. Again, this is from Liberty and Tyranny. When did this come out? I think it's 2005, something like that, Mr. Producer. I'm looking at the copyright bead right now, if I can find it. But you folks, many of you had it. Uh, 2009. So it came out uh, 
actually was finished 15 years ago. It takes time to publish it. So the choice isn't this stark, well, uh, if you don't agree with me about Russia or Ukraine, then obviously you're a neocon. You don't agree with me about abandoning NATO, well, then obviously you're a rhino. You know, that's Mickey Mouse stuff and bad Mickey Mouse stuff. The old days, not the old days, Mickey Mouse, the modern days. I'll be back. Mark Lovin. Remember the last time you got a quote unquote free phone? You started out feeling great. Then came the hefty activation fees, four line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with Mobile Hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. History is important, even recent history. When I wrote Liberty and Tyranny, which I just read from you, it came out simultaneously with the Tea Party movement. You might remember that famous picture with Sarah Palin holding it under her arm. And it became the Thomas Paine pamphlet for the movement, one and a half million copies sold. When I wrote Liberty and Tyranny, our friends at Convention of States just launched Convention of States. I had no idea that Meckler had launched it. And together with that book, and he'll tell you that, and that organization, we created another liberty revolution. With uh, American Marxism, that book came out slightly before the parents' movement, but embraced it and explained it, and I think participated in launching that movement. And at Landmark Legal Foundation, so many great lawyers there and so many great other groups. We helped launch and litigate it all the way to the Supreme Court, the school choice movement, which was under attack by the teachers union and so forth and so on. So for the Lilliputians who wish to climb the ladder, do it the hard way. Do it the hard way. Try and improve your country. Try and contribute to your country. Get off of social media. Stop patting yourself on the back. Seminars are fine, but they're not all that they're said to be. And get off your fat ass and do something. That's how you try and make a difference. And I've been able to use this microphone and TV to advance those causes as well. But most of all, because of you. This fantastic audience in radio. Radio more than anywhere else. 
20 years I've been here thanks to you. You, Levinites, patriots, people in this audience, you've done all of this and a thousand times more. I don't take you for granted, trust me. And don't forget this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Victor Davis Hanson, where we're going to discuss the situation going on in the country today, America's wise man. And Brent Tolman was the U.S. attorney for Utah. You look at the clip I put on my social sites. He says, as a former U.S. attorney, if I were a U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. today, I would have already indicted the Bidens. I would have already indicted the Bidens. You don't want to miss it. DVR it if you can't watch it live. 8 p.m. Sunday Eastern. I'll be back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here, our number. I think we'll try and take some calls. 877-381-3811. Towards the last half hour, 877-381-3811. Do you see how uh, unbelievably close the ruling class is? You got Diane Feinstein, honest, she is full-scale dementia, and it's a horrific thing. So I don't say this to be rude, it's, it's just, uh, I mean... And and there doesn't see to be any way to deal with it. And then you have Fetterman. If it's not full scale, it's certainly onset dementia of some form or another as a result of a stroke. And the Democrat Party will do whatever the Democrat Party does because they don't care. And then you have Biden, who they're putting up for re-election. He's the third one. I don't think we've ever been in a time like this where we've had three politicians, let alone three Democrats, all of whom have dementia. Including the man in the Oval Office. It's... All right, well, what else can I say other than uh, what a bunch of frauds uh, this ruling class... The ruling class, they want to rule over you. Now, step back and look at this ruling class. 
when you look at most of these politicians, what do you see? You see stupid. You see self-serving. That's what you see. And imagine, say, 75% of the bureaucracy, there's probably 25% patriots or hardworking people in there, but 75% of the bureaucracy that are there as long as they want to be there, civil service protection, public sector union protection, you're never going to get anybody out of there unless you slash their damn budgets. Obama and Clapper were briefed on reports of Clinton campaign's Russia collusion narrative Durham report shows. Former President (laughs) Barack Obama, this is in Fox, and his Director of National Intel, James Clapper, were both briefed in 2016 on reports that then-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton planned to vilify Donald Trump by claiming he was colluding with Russia to win the election, according to the final report from Durham. Now, that woman should be in federal prison. She tried to disrupt an election. She involved the FBI, the intel agencies, among others. And if there isn't a crime for this, there ought to be. How come they can find crimes against Trump all the time? Well, there's this, that, and... In 1841, there's this statue. Let's dust that one off. You believe that? That Obama was brief. Now, we knew this all along, don't we? Didn't we, rather? Yes, we did. At the least of which we knew is he read the newspapers, and it was all leaking into the newspapers, because they were working with them. And to reiterate, to answer the question to people who ask, well, why isn't the press covering this? They have too many awards as a result of printing lies. Maggie Haberman is not going to give her Pulitzer back, even though she's a fraud, a phony, and a fink. She's not going to do it. It's mine, and I'm not giving it back any more than the Walter Durante family is giving back his Pulitzer Prize, or the New York Slimes is urging him to, as he was uh, promoting... Joseph Stalin in the day. But there's something else that's bothering me. Ladies and gentlemen, we keep our foot on the gas pedal here on Friday. This story in Politico magazine. The Casey DeSantis problem, quote, his greatest asset and his greatest liability, unquote. I warned you, I warned you that they're going to go after DeSantis, too, because DeSantis is a rock-rib conservative. He's very successful here in Florida, and he's made all the right enemies, including in the media. So you have people say, if Donald Trump would only get out of the way, uh, then they'll try and destroy the DeSantis family. And by the way, I understand the Hindenburg from New Jersey is going to announce for the presidency. What's going on there? I'll tell you what's going on there. This guy has nothing to do, doesn't have a real job, won't come on this show because he's a coward. Won't come on this show. And he's basically a, uh, what should I say? What did they fill those balloons with, Mr. Hydrogen? I guess he's a hydrogen bomb of sorts. 
So he's there to take down Trump and DeSantis. That's the only reason he's there. The only reason. So we will be on top of him, so to speak. Get that out of your mind. We'll be watching very, very closely and speaking in response. And of course, the rhino broadcasters on TV and radio, I don't know why you're going to give Chris Christie a platform. I think he's got a negative 7% in the GOP. I mean, we do have a responsibility sort of to, uh, to help cull out the, uh, the conga line here, don't you think? Asa Hutchison? Asa Hutchison has 1% in Arkansas. Now, Asa Hutchison, I'm not interested in him. Or the uh, Hindenburg from New Jersey. Anyway, let me get back to this. It's a very, very long piece. I was told they've been working on it for three or four months. Uh, They get comments from people, of course, the vast majority of whom are not on the record. Uh, Comments from Roger Stone, who's obviously uh, doing his best for Donald Trump. But you would never see a story like this on Michelle Obama. You would never see a story like this on phony doctor Joe Biden. You never see a story like this on Kamala Harris. Never. Now, I happen to know Casey DeSantis, as does my wife, as do my kids, especially my son, my stepson. She is a fantastic person. She is a brilliant person. I don't just say this. I know this. Um, well before many of the current leeches who are leeching on, we, we knew the couple when... They were in the House of Representatives. Look, I endorsed Ron DeSantis when he first decided to run for the House. I didn't even know who he was. I got a call from Adam Laxalt, who was apparently his roommate in the Navy or something like that. And Adam Laxalt said, we could really use your endorsement and General Meese's endorsement. I said, I'll talk to General Meese, Attorney General Meese, and me. And based on Adam Laxalt's recommendation and based on Ron's service, we endorsed him. It's the first office he ran for. But, you know, when you consider what Casey DeSantis has been through, she's fought cancer. And by the way, you never stop fighting cancer. And what it does to your body. And that she's a mother of three Three wonderful little kids. First lady of Florida. A professional. A woman who loves her kids. Loves her husband. Backs her husband. This is the quintessential American woman. And so the media, of course, they don't believe in the quintessential American women. They believe women are men, men are women. Men can be transitioning to uh, alligators. I don't know what the hell's going on. Anyway, this is written by Michael Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. Casey DeSantis, the wife of Ron DeSantis, just a few minutes before at the table in the crowd, had looked oddly disengaged. Listening to him give a speech this past Saturday evening in a drab hotel conference room here, sitting somewhat stiffly 
clapping intermittently, her face flat and her shoulders almost slumped. You know, this guy sounds like a stalker, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? I'll bet he knows what she was wearing and everything. Hey, hey, Michael Cruz, what the hell's wrong with you? Sicko. Now, though, having been prompted to join him on stage, she turned in expression and tone suddenly and noticeably brighter. That's a good question, she cooed, thanking the head of the state Republican Party for having them and for convening this scripted Q&A. Oh, they're worried. Uh, that, now, that's funny. Joe Biden has pictures of people with their names on it, reporters, and he said, okay, Frank Lord, L.A. Times. Frank, is that you? That's not you? Well, this photo looks like you, Frank. It must, you know, before launching a three and a half minute stump speech of an answer. In which she called her husband a fighter and a good dad and a good person and really the embodiment of the American dream, tracing his biography from Jacksonville in northeast Florida to Dundon in the Tampa Bay area, to Yale College, to Harvard Law, to joining the Navy and becoming a judge advocate general, and then going to Iraq, and then getting elected to... You know, that's a hell of a resume. Elected to be governor of the third largest state in the country, and now the 13th largest economy in the world. You can't say that. No, no. you got to be like like Gavin Newsom's 17th wife, or whatever he's on. And, of course, Gavin can't talk about the economic accomplishments or his wife or anything of the sort. Here, then, in eastern Iowa and in concentrated form was a preview of what is to come in the about-to-be-announced presidential candidacy of DeSantis, not just his run, but also the often stage-dominating presence of her role, his wife. Wouldn't it be weird if she wasn't there? And I suppose they comment on that. For some time now, she's been seen mostly and by many as an absolute superstar of a political spouse, a not-so-secret weapon, even something like his saving grace, an anecdote for her sometimes awkward husband, social in a way he is not. Okay, now let's trash him. Casey 42 is a sort of, what does it say, often it's a telegenic, former television personality, a breast cancer survivor, and a mother of three. She is a sort of policy portfolio of her own that ranges from hurricane recovery to issues of mental issues, and they go on to trash her. She's too involved. She has too much to say. And so forth and so on. I'm going to tell you something. They would never talk about a Democrat wife this way, and they never do. And they never have. Or a rhino's wife. Do we ever even see Chris Christie's wife, Mr. Producer? Do we even know what she looks like? Oh, we do. We saw her on the beach with the hubby. I remember that. But other than that, I don't remember. Have we? Have we seen any of that? No, no. So Casey DeSantis, Melania Trump, these are Jackie Kennedy-type beautiful women but even more intelligent. They never gave Melania Trump her due. Quite the contrary. And they're out to attack Casey DeSantis. Simply because she's Ron DeSantis' wife. 
Who else did they do this to? Who else? I know for you, you new generation political pundits, I, I loathe to say Nancy Reagan. They tried to destroy Nancy Reagan. Everything she did. But she, were, she was her husband's rock, much as Melania is Trump's. And Casey, I've seen it, is, is Ron's rock. These are good women. These are strong women, intelligent women, attractive women. But Michelle Obama, she's historic, you see. Well, I don't know. Casey DeSantis, is she Italian? She'd probably be the first Italian first lady. Does that matter? No, 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 you don't understand. Melania Trump, certainly since the beginning of the nation, isn't she one of the first immigrant wives? Who cares? But this is how they treat our first ladies, whether first lady of the United States, first lady of Florida. And I just want to remind you again, this is what they did to Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan. And what did Ronald Reagan do? He never let anyone or anything get between him and his wife, ever. And remember how Nancy used to look at Ronald Reagan? Those of you in the new generation of punditry, this isn't for you. This is for the rest of the country that actually knows about this. Remember? She would look at him. Like she was deeply in love with him and admiring of him and proud of him. By the way, you know who else does that, Mr. Producer? My wife. She, Believe it or not, she looks at me that way when I'm speaking. On stage. It's, it's incredible. It's true. And she's brilliant, too, and beautiful and and uh, 100% supportive. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, we can't pass our last show here this evening without hearing more BS, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders. Here he is yesterday, cut to go. Meanwhile, while imposing draconian cuts on some of the most desperate people in this country. Oh, yeah, draconian cuts, America. Don't you hate the Marxists? Don't you hate this lying scum? Excuse me. I didn't mean to call him a lying scum. I meant to call him a lying ass. Draconian cuts for the most desperate people in the country. They're not cutting anything for the most desperate people in the country. You, the people who make this country work, you're becoming the most desperate people in this country. Everybody else is on a program. Go ahead. Refusing to ask the wealthiest people in America, the people who have never, ever had it so good. What are you talking about, you putts? The wealthiest people in America... They're sicking 87,000 IRS agents on you, America, and the Republicans want to slash that and get rid of them and take that money and put it on the border. Those people are going after you. They're not going after billionaires. And what about the billionaires and the dark money in the shadows that are funding the Democrat prosecutors, that are funding the Democrat campaigns? 
What about them? How about George Soros? Bernie Sanders so worked up about billionaires, that guy's worth $30 billion. Has Bernie Sanders called him in front of his budget committee even once? No. Likes that billionaire. That's a good billionaire. Bernie Sanders is such a moron. It's not even funny. We're going to cut people most desperate. We're spending trillions more than we did the year before. And these are desperate cuts. Don't listen to that guy. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Before I get to calls, I want you to listen to Eugene Robinson of the Washington Compost. And there he is on the Morning Schmo Show, and nobody interrupts him, nobody corrects him. Cut eight, go. We should not be surprised, um, but we should remind everybody that the cruelty here, the cruelty is not a bug, it's a, it's a feature. It's the whole point right now of what the Republicans are, are demanding. So, ladies and gentlemen, cutting the phony budgeting with the COVID monies out of the base, that's cruel. Unspent money. Refusing to pay for 87,000 yet-to-be-hired IRS agents to prevent them to be hired, that's cruel. Trying to save our country from a debt crisis where nothing we can do in the next five or ten years will allow us to survive it and our children and grandchildren and generations yet born. That is cruel, according to Eugene Robinson who is a radical left-wing kook at the Washington Compost and a regular on the Morning Schmo Show. Hurting us uh, cruelty. Why? It's not saving money. He says it's being performatively cruel to people that they can demonize. What the hell is this clown talking about? And they do this every time. It doesn't matter if we spend... trillion. No, no, I think it ought to be $399 trillion. Oh, my God, the cruelty is unbelievable. We've never seen anything like this before. This is the propaganda of the Marxist. This is what they do. Now, this guy, Chris Hayes, who used to work at The Nation, which is a crap magazine, and he is, anyway, he's at MSNBC yesterday. Listen to this. Cut, nine, go. What a tough guy. You see all that swagger? He's going to stand in your way if you're coming after parental rights. If you try to tell a parent what they can do with their kids. That very same wing of the Republican Party, embodied by Ron DeSantis and the government of the state of Florida, has now demanded and produced a situation in which the government, that guy you saw there with the tough guy swagger about freedom, is going to decide if your child, who lives in your home, that you gave birth to or raised, that you love your kid, what kind of care they can get. No, he's not. Now, this is amazing. Coming from you, you jackass, and the Democrat Party, which is now involved in every aspect of your life, except abortion on demand. Yeah, go ahead. Have you noticed how they just don't care about babies and kids? If you have a kid in your home, 
not you're at home, but if somebody has a kid in there and they're abusing that kid, do we have laws against that, Mr. Producer? We do have laws against that, right? And um, we have laws that require certain psychiatric exams. We have laws that require certain other types of medical exams. They want to pass laws that you can't have a gun unless you do this, do that, do the other thing. So before a child has their penis cut off or has one added to them or has their breasts cut off, shouldn't that be looked at? What is it with these people? Now, if we had had this discussion just five years ago, you would say, Mark, what are you, sick? I'd be all over the media. be conspiracy theorist Mark. There he is. Oh, conspiracy theorist Mark. Trying to scare people. Trying to scare people to vote Republican. And now, look at this. This hack job. This weirdo. Defending it. Just like they said. Oh, you know, they're... They're banning books in, in schools. They're banning pornography in schools. Republicans, learn how to say it. But for Joe Biden, that's a book, because that's only, hey, there's good pictures in here. That's Joe Biden. And by the way, I think Fetterman at this point and probably Feinstein, I don't know, whatever. Whatever. So you have trillions and trillions in debt, and Eugene Robinson said, they're cutting it from desperate people. You have Chris Hayes here defending First of all, they oppose parental involvement, except here, where the parents should make the ultimate decision. And by the way, the parents do make the ultimate decision. And here's the great thing about America, at least for now. If you don't want to live in a free state that believes in morality and ethics, that believes you shouldn't butcher your children... In a free state that has some semblance of morality and normalcy, then go to California or go to New York. Meanwhile, California and New York are depopulating, and they're coming to places like Florida. They're coming to places like Florida. And let me tell you something else. The vast majority of these people, not all of them, would never allow their kids' genitalia to be added to or to be removed. Never, ever. None of these media types. Scarboroughs? No. I mean, I don't think so. Eugene Robinson? No, I can't imagine. Chris Hayes? I don't know if he's married. I don't know if he's not. I don't know if he's a significant other. I don't know if he's dating an ostrich. I don't know what he's doing. But far be it for me to ask. That's his business. Go ahead, a little bit more. Sides. Care that, to be clear, the American Academy of Pediatrics supports and recommends. What? Supports and recommends what? Masks? Vaccines for four-year-olds? What do they recommend? The Academy of Pediatrics. It's not a parent. It's an academy. With left-wing Democrats, most, for most of the part. Anyway, 
I don't want to blow his uh, perhaps announcement, but Dan Bongino will be on the air two hours next Wednesday, Mr. Producer. And he's asked me to come on his show. It'll be a great honor. You know, Dan fills that slot noon to three Eastern time like nobody else. He's absolutely fantastic. Just one guy behind a microphone. Just one guy. Just one guy here, too. We don't need, uh, we don't need sidekicks. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So excited about Dan Bongino's anniversary on Wednesday. I messed up. It's his two-year anniversary, not his two-hour By the way, Clay Travis, I've met Clay Travis. Very nice guy. Very, very smart guy, by the way. I've decided, like all these other groups, I'm going to put together, at the end of the year, the best and brightest up-and-coming young conservative thinkers and leaders list. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? The top 50. Um, no recommendations, just by my own analysis, my own experience as an old timer and everything. And so we're going to put that list together and we'll announce it at the end of the year. And I think that'll be very, very interesting. I know some that can't be on the list. They're just, but we'll list those who should be on the list. Montage Democrats ask who will clean cook Food without illegal aliens. Yeah, well, like we don't have enough illegal aliens. way I see it is everybody else is cooking for them coming across the border. Cut 13, go. If you kick every Latino out of this country, then who yes. is going to be cleaning your toilet, Donald Trump? Those folk who are coming across are the ones who put food on our table. Without them, we're not able to eat. We have a shortage of workers in our country. Why are you shipping these... Immigrants up north, we need Good them point. to Good pick point. the crops. And you have no immigration, then we would have no food on our plates. We would have no nobody taking care of uh, the building, the construction. We would have nobody cleaning up in the hospitals. Tourism, construction, agriculture. I mean, you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. There are a lot of jobs in our community. That like it or well, not, let me just say we have vegetables rotting in the center right now. Go ahead. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant. Who do you think mm. is mowing our beautiful lawns? Excuse me, they will lay dormant. Go ahead. We don't usually ask, but a lot of those workers are undocumented. They're just not a lot of, you know, kids. Well, here's the deal. If we were enforcing the law... All these undocumented workers working in these places, uh, these places would be fined heavily and the undocumented workers would be removed. That's existing immigration law. So all these Democrats are promoting lawlessness. And why? Why do we need all these workers? Because Americans won't work. Okay, let's get some people to work on government payrolls. and so. No, that's harsh. That would be extreme and racist we can't do that no oh we're in what we call a quandary we go to america every friday in honor of you here we go 
Erica, it's a great honor to be here with you. I mean, I am truly blessed to have you there, and trust me, I know it. Don't forget, this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Life, Liberty, and Live In, we have a killer show. I'm telling you, trust me, if you can't watch it live, please DVR it. You can set your DVR right now. The week is officially over. The weekend begins now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, men and women in Ukraine and Taiwan who are fighting or preparing to fight the enemy. Good night, Spritey and Griffey and Pepsi. Good night, Zelda, Smokey and Gigi. Good night, Indy and, and Patton and Rory and Barney and Marty. Good night, Dad, Mom, Leo and Joe. 